Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined by my loyal, fantastic, phenomenal friend, Mr. JW Crewall. JW, how's it hanging today? Well, it's going okay, Riley. Just getting set up for the holidays. You know how it goes. Oh, I do. I do. Yeah. yeah. You doing you something got, big got... down there? What's that? You got something big going on? Well, we're going to have a little holiday party. You coming? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out all my holiday travel right now, to be honest. You keep saying that. I know. Well, I I hate to plan things too preemptively. Like, <laughs> I, I ended up having to stay, like, at my project for, like, an extra five days. Oh, no. You know? So if I had planned anything for those couple of days, then it wouldn't have not been good. I hear you. Well... You know, just just let us know. You have the next like fifteen days to make a decision. That's true. So no rush. No rush. That's right. So how are <laughs> things over there in Wisconsin? They're good. I mean, I just got back to my apartment yesterday. Um, I finished up my uh, my shifts on Tuesday and flew back on Wednesday, and. It was it was a grind for sure. I worked twelve to fifteen hours every single day for the entirety of those two weeks, with the exception of Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. This past Saturday and Sunday, um, so definitely still a little exhausted. Um, got some things I got to take care of around here as well, and some things I got to. Technically, I'm on PTO. Um, in practice, there are some things that I have to do <laughs> for the end of the year um, that I've been like taken care of between games of like tft and sleeping mostly (laughs) that rocks and doing my laundry because i had gone through every pair of underwear (laughs) okay you know how many pairs is that it's like two or three weeks worth dang i got some i just got some polo ralph lauren boxer briefs there you go and they're great (laughs) yeah yeah, they're awesome. That is nice. Yeah. Honestly, I this is like hashtag ad, but my favorite my favorite briefs that I have right now are my Manscaped ones. Yo, let's go. <laughs> I think they're really comfy. They are pretty comfortable. They are pretty so, comfortable. <laughs> but speaking of which, um, wanted to go through kind of our lay of the land for today. So. A big topic on everyone's mind is the state of the state in the Pokemon trading card game. We got Mew VMAX sitting atop the stands. We'll be sure to talk about that. Uh, There's been a lot of comparisons lately with Mew VMAX versus some other dominant archetypes in the game's past. I'll be curious to hear, JW, some of your thoughts on how those all come together. And mm-hmm. this is going to be a little bit of a refresher for me, in all honesty. You know, I've been heads down, working those 12 to 15-hour days. Didn't have a lot of time to, to see what's going on in the world of the Pokemon trading card game. So I'm curious to see how things have de- developed over the last, you know, half a month. Um, outside of that, we've got some potential updates regarding TCG Live. And then smack in the middle of all of that, we'll have our card of the day and ad read. Absolutely. Let's get right into it. Let's get right into it then. So, JW, we were talking, and it sounds like you're a little bit down right now, my guy. 
I I'm down bad <laughs> with Pokemon right now. I really am. I feel like this is maybe one of the first times, you know, we've been doing this cast for like you know, three years now. And I've been playing for like 12 years and I've always been able in every format in every situation to find like the good <laughs> and to look on the bright side and to kind of push past and, and push aside like the real negatives to, to enjoy, like fully enjoy the game pretty much every step of the way. And that has changed actually with this, <laughs> with this set. Yeah. With this format, uh, with the Mew VMAX deck being as dominant as I perceive it to be, uh, it has just made playing the game more of a chore than it has ever been in the past. And that it like kind of hurts me to say it out loud, but maybe this is some kind of therapy. Yeah. You know, it's good to, to say it. get it off my chest, <laughs> you know? Um, and you know, people go through these, uh, you know, ups and downs. Like I think every time I'm like, Oh yeah. You know, uh, I'm, you know, I'm feeling kind of negative about it. Like I know Andrew like rants about this. I know Azul has talked about this. Like I know like, uh, you know, basically every content creator, right. Goes through kind of ups and downs with their enjoyment of the game. But for some reason I'd always been like an up guy, like for everything, you know, I really had um, very minor criticisms um, until now. Like I just think the game right now is in a really precarious spot. I feel like the Mew VMAX deck is the best deck that I've ever played and the most oppressive deck that I've ever played. It's unbelievable. I, I've just been rolling games online. It's amazing how quickly games will end. Like the first one or two turns, you just know you're going to win. It's it's insane. So I have, I have, uh, you know, as much as I've liked winning the game, it really hasn't brought me that much satisfaction because I know that the format's kind of screwed. Like if we had in-person tournaments, if everyone wasn't playing on these online tournaments and like just rolling whatever the heck they wanted, like if they were actually playing to win, if there was something on the line, I don't think anyone would choose anything other than Mew. It's so consistent. It's so good. It's so frustrating. <laughs> and there's really not a good counter. So for those reasons, I'm sour. I'm really sour. I mean, those sound like some valid reasons. I'm curious to, to dig more into that. You know, so I think there's a couple elements that that seem to be at play that seem to at least be making you a little bit sour towards Mew VMAX. And, you know, other people may have varying opinions, but I think these are themes that we're largely seeing across the community right now. Uh, the first is just the general power level of the deck. So, you know, there's been some on and off debate about how the deck is played, you know, what cards fit in, you know, JW, what are the, what are like really the pieces that make the Mew deck come together in a way that you feel is oppressive? Yeah. So the way that I've been playing the deck recently is kind of, I don't want to say open my eyes cause it's just like a one card change, but like I've been trying to go more aggressively for the turn one attack, um, and most specifically trying to go for, um, you know, the potential turn one Meloetta attack. And I found that that is just so insane in most situations um, because 
you're able to, you know, hit anything for a knockout on turn one, as long as you get an Elisa Sparkle, you have the energy attachment from hand, and then if you're playing against a V deck that has, you know, 220 health, if you can get one of your power tablets, that's not that's not a lot to ask, honestly. That's not a lot to ask for the deck. Um, and I've just found myself like running through even decks that are supposed to counter the Mew decks because I'm able to get that turn one attack off so easily with the Meloetta. Now there are times and there are, there are decks like, um, you know, pretty much any other deck that's not playing. Um, I don't know. That doesn't start a, a V like it's probably playing either Houndour or, uh, you know, Sobbles, right? So you can still get that turn one attack and knockout on like a Sobble, which is also very good like just getting that turn one pressure is <laughs> that's what the people good. say yeah you know yeah right so you don't necessarily have to do it with with the Meloetta but the fact that you can take these knockouts on turn you know on your turn two of the game but turn one um is is incredible right and then it's not like that's necessarily what the deck like wants to do because you'd love to go first as well to just you know take the first turn of the game so you can just get set up, get an extra energy attachment. Like it doesn't matter if you go first or second, you, you can still, you know, make great plays either way. Um, and then just the fact that, yeah, this Meloetta thing is, is where I'm kind of leaning into. So playing two Meloetta, I think that's, um, that's not something that we kind of collectively as, as the Pokemon TCG community hive mind really gravitated around when the deck was, um, you know, starting to be built, right? Definitely was, was kind of like an afterthought. You know, Mew was was the main, you know, main player. Um, and then additionally, like, Elisa Sparkle was kind of, you know, an afterthought as well, right? Like, you play two just so that you do have that option. But I feel like, I, I truly feel like the, the deck is at its best, not necessarily when it's gusting, because actually gusting like playing four bosses orders that's that's a little too um you know reactionary right like just be as aggressive as possible play the four releases and and attack on on your you know the turn that you can attack and it just everything just you know you you make most decks just crumble from that pressure it's it's really the most like aggressive deck in the format and it draws the most cards and it has you can you can play a counter to anything for the most part you don't necessarily even need to that's the scariest thing but you can it's 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 rough out there man uh, i'm like really <laughs> you know i'm saying it all and i'm just like i'm really frustrated and the games you know the games don't even take that long right like i posted on twitter today i was like i won you know four games in 5 minutes and that's legit like i played four full games in five minutes of, of real time because <laughs> I got, you know, two or three donks. I got like one concession and then the other ones I just, you know, I set up and then I just blew through their, you know, entire board. Like it's crazy, man. It really is crazy. It definitely is a little bit crazy out here. I, I think you hit on some good points though within that, you know, the, the evolution of Meloetta being a, like almost a non-starter in the Mew deck to a staple. Uh, the 
the larger focus on just turboing out the deck and, and playing Elisa's Sparkle. Um, you know, <laughs> it feels like an age ago, but we, we used to talk about like peony counts, and now we're talking about just like only playing Elisa's Sparkle and Boss's Orders. Peony is too slow. Which is absurd, right? It like, is absurd. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the the deck is just it's so consistent. It draws so many cards, and I think that's what really just adds so much to this is you have so many good attacks that have different utility options, all usable by the same Pokemon, but they also have this insane draw engine, like the likes of which I can't even think of the game ever seeing before. You know, it's yeah. not even really comparable to Zorark. It's a completely different beast. Yes. Um. Just being able to draw so many cards every single turn on the first turn when other right, decks right. can't play supporters. <laughs> yes, right. Exactly. Exactly. That's the biggest thing is that from from the moment you flip over your basic, you know, you could draw, you know, 15, 20 cards theoretically, right. without playing a draw supporter. Right. Like without that, like what? You know, you and you could yeah. play, a, you know, a Marnie. You could play a research or whatever in the deck, but like you don't even need to because you're basically getting the effects of supporters for free. And it, the power budget there just seems kind of crazy to me because when we think about like these good draw supporty Pokemon, they're usually on a, on a stage one. You know, you have like your Octillaries of the past. You have your Zorarks. You have your Chinchinos. All these Pokemon are stage ones that are designed to kind of like draw your deck out. Even like the <laughs> the modern Octillery, you know, the one that can search Rapid Strike cards is a stage one. So like, it's almost odd to me. It seems like the philosophy of the basics has been like, oh, you can do it once per turn. You know, you have your Dedenne once per turn. You have your Crobat once per turn. And then Genesect is just like, oh, yeah, if you want to draw 24 cards, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. yeah, it's it's crazy, man. And I think, too, um, like, there are just so many, like, little problems that all add up, right? Like, Genesect's draw ability is, like, I would say, like, a somewhat of a little problem because, you know, there are going to be... Like there comes a point where your hand just gets kind of clogged, right? Yeah. And so like inevitably. you play, you play quick ball, right? Like that, and okay, so that's one way you can kind of thin your hand a little bit, right? So that you're not just playing with your energies and your mu v maxes on the first <laughs> turn. But then like you also have as a way to discard cards, and I think this is again the optimal way to play it with Cramomatic, and that's like another little problem. So that's like two cards now that you can thin the hand down with. Um, you know, obviously, Cramomatic only works on on item cards, but right. but the same kind of idea, right? It's like you're you're thinning, um, you know, thinning cards you you otherwise wouldn't need from your hand, um, and then and then Cramomatic's like another little problem because you can search out any card. You know, it's not like it's not like you flip a coin and you get an item card. You know, it's not like a one for one trade. It like can be anything in your deck. So, you know, I'm often like crammaticking for that energy, you know, that, <laughs> that third fusion strike energy. So I can do 210 or 240 on the first turn with my Meloetta. Like, it's just it it blows my mind, dude. It's like all these little things. Yeah. And then and then Mew has free retreat. You know, it's like, that's a little thing, too. It's it's just crazy, <laughs> man. Like, it's all these little things that don't necessarily on their own 
like feel bad, you know, but then you, you add them all together and it's like, what the heck have we done? Right. You know? What have we actually done? We are, we're so screwed. We're so <laughs> screwed. You know what I, I don't know if you ever had this experience, but the first time I saw a Mew VMAX in play, I was like, that's a two retreat card right there. <laughs> that, yeah. that, card, that card's got two retreat. <laughs> and then it just had zero, which is uh, better than what I thought to say the least. Yeah. To say the least. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, you got, you got so much utility. We had talked about the, the psychic leap being good. We have Meloetta. Now we have Latias. If you choose to play it, you have obviously the Genesec draw and attack on the same card. It's just, holy moly, like, what doesn't this deck have going for it? Yeah, it's just crazy, too. Like, you think about the Meloetta, right? And, like, that has been uh, just the biggest, you know, game changer. Like, over the, I, I'd say I put more time into Mew VMAX over the last week than I had, you know, since its release. And just, like, messing with the different counts and really just getting a feel for it in the in the general metagame. And, like, the Meloetta is so insane because especially if you can keep all your energy on board, like if you can kind of protect your um, your fusion strike energy and, and get four onto the board, then you're just swinging for 280 turn after turn with no drawback. Like it, it's just it's just 280, right? And then you get to add your power tablets on top of that to do 310 or 340, whatever you need to take the VMAX knockouts. And it's just like your opponent, like at that point, it's so crazy. Like your opponent has to hope their best strategy against that is that you prized an energy <laughs> is that you prized a, a, a fusion energy. And that's just absurd. It's, it's, it's ludicrous. Like in certain matchups, like that's their best hope is that you can't get all four of your energy into play, you know, in the first like two or three turns of the game. Like what the heck? That's so stupid. It is uh, pretty insane. 280, no drawback. 280, no drawback. Like, not even, like, you know, discard a card or, you know, discard an energy or, you know, you can't attack on your next turn, right? Like, at least force me to, like, find a switch, like the Genesect attack. No. It's wild, man. <laughs> yeah, I think the drawback was meant to be that you had to find all those energy, but then you had at least a sparkle. <laughs> so... You know, what's the end game there, right? Right. You know, right. you set to play one of those and attach on your next turn, you're up to four. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's uh it's a problem, man. It's it and really that I think it's it's honestly the Meloetta, I think, is like the problem for me. Like you take away Meloetta, you know, then the deck just can't beat well, it's and it still can. Like that's the crazy thing, because you got a shred attack. But I'm like, then the deck can't really beat like Zamazenta, you know, then the deck, you know, has a hard time against, I don't know, some other things, right? Because you're you're just forcing up the the VMAX, but like, you know, the Meloetta, a lot of a lot of where where my thoughts have been over the last week have just been on that card and how oppressive mm -hmm. that card can be. Because doing 280 for no drawback on potentially your second turn, right? Because you go turn one, let's say you're going first, you just get that one attachment down of the uh, fusion strike energy. And then on your next turn, you get the you get the Elisa Sparkle and then attach your last one. Like, yeah, 280, 310, 340, turn two, no drawback on a one prize Pokemon potentially, right? Like you're usually not 
promoting that to attack, but like on a one prize Pokemon, if you're trying to, you know, get, get kind of sneaky with it, <laughs> try to force different prize trades and stuff. Pretty good. Pretty good. But something we've, something I can't remember, like maybe there was one, but can you remember a card doing that much damage for relatively little investment? Um, I mean, I'm sure they exist. I think the maybe the ease of of use or like lack of situational necessity, I guess, is maybe the unique part with Meloetta. Yeah, you know, of course, it's it's hard to like directly compare as well because HP now is so much higher than it used to be. Right. Right. Um, of course. <laughs> yeah, two eighty now versus three years ago is yeah, and it's like maybe you know, uh, you know, another like kind of very simple combo that was extremely oppressive that just leaps to the forefront of my mind was like Seismitoad, right? Get a Seismitoad, get an energy, and you know you're only hitting for thirty, right? Like you're not you're giving your opponent plenty of time, but it was still like very frustrating to deal with on the other side. Yeah. Um, but at least the game like could potentially last, you know, five or six turns, right? Like if you leave an, an EX in the active and then size and tones only hitting you for, you know, somewhere between 30 and 50, then you're going to have a few turns to try to draw out of it. The problem with Meloetta is that you don't get those turns. Like that dude is taking one shots turn one, but you know, potentially like if you go second turn one on, um, and, and like, if uh, you know, if you if you can't do you know ninety damage to it, right, then you're, you're done. Like it just it plows through you, right? Because then you can draw into your bosses and like bring up whatever you're trying to set up on the back. Like, yeah, it's so frustrating. It, it's the craziest thing. You know, the more I play it, the more I'm just in awe of of how insane the deck is, and it's really frustrating. Yeah. So. Let's dig into some of those other elements there then. We you know, talking about kind of the structure of the deck and how powerful and consistent it is. Um let's talk about it in the context of kind of like what the other decks in the format are like. You know, certainly there are other decks that people play and people have been trying new things to to make their matchups better. The more Pico in the single strike has been something that people have been trying. Uh, you know, people have tried these Gengar decks, all sorts of things. Do you think any of this like really works? You mentioned before that, that your answer seems to be no. I well, the, so like like on an individual level like may like the answer is like maybe, right? Cuz you're like, "Oh, okay, I'm going to go into this tournament." Like there there are people out there that have succeeded with the dark decks, right? Like and mm-hmm. and that's kind of like anecdotal evidence, right? Where they're like, "Well, I played, you know, uh Gengar and and I, you know, made top eight, right? Or I played single strike and I beat, you know, a few Mew decks. But like what what they're not factoring in is just all the other Mew decks that have that have beaten the dark decks. <laughs> you know, and, and it's like that's one piece, right? So it's anecdotal in the sense that if we kind of took the aggregate of everyone that has ever played Mew versus everyone that has ever played, you know, a a, a deck that's supposed to counter Mew then you're going to see a pretty even split, you know, cause from my testing, like over the last week, 
I have gone like positive against these decks that are supposed to <laughs> yeah. supposed to just rail Mew, right? So like my anecdotal evidence is that you know Mew actually has a favorable matchup into single strike. Like that that's my anecdotal evidence, right? So I just think like looking at the numbers um from tournaments and uh um you know like Trainer Hill, the the like stats website. Um seeing that Mew can can even hang with those decks that are just like built straight up to beat it. It's it's scary. It's really scary. And the other thing too is like, well, you're like, well, why why doesn't everyone play Mew for tournaments? That's a great question. I don't know. Um, people will throw whatever they want. Like, I think if we were playing in regionals, like if there were regionals tomorrow and people had to choose decks, I think we would just see an insane um, an insane amount of Mew uh, for these tournaments. Like, it just, it's that good, right? Because yeah. again, you're you're doing so much so soon. And it's just so hard for these other decks to uh, to keep up with. So it's brutal. I want to dig more into into this and contextualize it maybe against some of our other like top threats of previous meta games. You know, ADP comparison has been one people have been drawing recently. Mm-hmm. Before we get into that, though, I think it's about time that we took a quick break and did our card of the day in our ad read. Let's hear it. Okay. So I'm not going to quiz you on the Pokedex entry this time because this is a relatively new Pokemon and the Dex entry, I think we'll just give it away. Um, But this card stuck out to me because it's something that I actually did see while I was out on my travels. Um, And it was a relatively new card and it kind of spurred an interesting ruling situation. Uh, And that card is Morpico V Union. And the yes. interesting ruling situation is yes, that you cannot mix it. the arts of yeah. your V unions, <laughs> even though they all have like identical attacks in the same places. And I think it's just because it's like visually confusing, like what's going on, yeah. which is so funny to me. I don't know why, but like I, I want to make like double Morpico butts, like have two Morpico back halves connect to each other, and you can't do that. So that was just insanely funny to me i get why they did that but it's like there's no other card in like the pokemon games history that's ever enforced something quite like that it's never been necessary right even with like legends it's not been a necessary evil that they've had to like deal with so that i just loved that that was so cool (laughs) that's yeah that's so insane that's really funny (laughs) so i had to give more pico v unit a shout out there for sure yeah gotta do it for sure And then, of course, like you all know, if you've been listeners, this week's episode of Tag Team is sponsored by Manscaped. So holidays right around the corner, and that means not only is Santa Claus coming around, but so is our good friend Delibird. Delibird has a nice flesh sack that it uses to carry around its presents, and that thing is clean as it gets. And so if you, this holiday season don't want to be looking like a mess you want your sack to be as clean as a deli birds then have we got the products for you with manscaped jevy you want to tell us a little bit about manscaped yeah man manscaped they got what you need in terms of male grooming 
Uh, we've been gifted uh, just a ton of products from them that are, you, I mean, you were just talking about how much you really like their boxers, but like even, um, you know, their, their ear and nose hair trimmer, their, um, you know, family jewel trimmer, uh, as it were, the lawnmower 4.0. I mean, we've just been really impressed with these products. Uh, they're water resistant. Um, they, you know, feel nice in the hand. They have a nice like heft to them. And uh, yeah, I've been really impressed with these manscaped products. They make a great gift too. I mean, we got the holidays coming up. So I know there are people out there that are like, Ooh, what do I get for my brother? What do I get for my dad? It, it might be time to, to upgrade, you know, their old technology, right? If they don't have an electric razor, now's the time. Absolutely is. The lawnmower 4.0 comes with that ceramic blade, which not only makes it like safer to the touch, especially when down in the nether regions, uh, but it's just, it's really nice. It has a, a light on it that comes up when you turn it on. So it's way easier to see down there, especially at those interesting angles. And it's just a really awesome product to use. I've, I've loved it ever since I got my first hands on it for the first time. Obviously I mentioned I'm a fan of the boxers. They also have all sorts of like just male grooming or grooming adjacent products. You got the ear nose hair trimmer, the weed whacker, as well as, you know, colognes, body washes, deodorants, you name it, they got it. And you can find it all on manscaped.com. So if you're looking for some sick deals, get 20% off plus free shipping. You can use code tag team at checkout and they'll hook you up. Absolutely. Tag team, manscaped.com, 20% off plus free shipping. Be sure to check them out. It shows not only that you support the cast but it comes back to us and and we get to continue having these awesome deals like we do with manscaped awesome possum so jw let's get into the second half here and i want to talk about muv max in the context of some of these other truly monumental decks that we've had in our time you know adp is maybe the one that's most recently in people's minds. Some other decks that stick out to me as maybe comparable ones to Mew uh, are Zorark. I think of even like Mewtwo EX when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've been through a lot of these different eras where we've had these like really truly on top of the game type of decks. Giratina EX decks? Yeah, Giratina Toad type stuff. Yeah. Um, what where do you think Mew falls in like this grand scheme of things? And you know, sometimes this is hard to quantify because it's always yeah. relative to the meta that they're born right. into. Right. Um But you know, if we were to look back in time and look at like the Mew Two Wars versus like Mew V Max now, how does it compare? And and why is Mew in particular feeling worse for you as someone who's been through those eras than those decks of, of olden times? Yeah, I um, I like don't want to overreact, and I just I say that because you know we have an audience, uh, you know, thousands of people listen to us every week, and like I don't want to, you know, imprint in everyone's mind, um, that you know the world is ending. Like you can <laughs> you can still have fun with the game right now. I I do believe that. It's just for me, Mew is the most dominant deck that I have ever played that I've ever played against. Um, it, it's really made the format 
on the whole, largely unfun uh, because I, I can't like I can't even get wins with with like rogue decks or like alternate strategies unless they are something like you know the the Hoopa galarian moltres you know just straight like dark garbage that like folds <laughs> to anything that's not mew <laughs> um this this is i i really don't want to i don't want to overstate it i don't want to understate it but this is this mew v max deck is is the best deck um that i've ever played and the most op- oppressive uh toxic um I don't know, whatever adjective you want to use to describe it, it is it is that for me. Um, worse than ADP, you know, against ADP, like, and I, I'm going to come back to, like, the, the turn clock. So against ADP, you are guaranteed to have at least one turn. And potentially more, like, a really good counter to ADP, or at least a solid counter to ADP was, like, Crushing Hammer, right? Like, if you could get a Crushing Hammer off, you know, either the the their first turn, right, where they just attach the one energy, or like on subsequent turns, you can make it really hard for them to, you know, accelerate energy from the deck, like attack after they GX or whatever. Like mm-hmm. there were there were some things you could do, and that could allow for rogue decks to emerge just because they could play for crushing hammer and have some semblance of a chance or at least a a pathway to winning the game. And you got a couple of turns to find those, right? You you could have found it right. on their first turn or their second turn. And then, you know, obviously the nature of ADP was like, as soon as it gets the ball rolling, it it is unstoppable, right? And that was basically as soon as they got the GX attack off, as soon as they could accelerate energy onto their board and set up, you know, Zashian or whatever other attacker they had, like then, then it was over, right? And then there was checkmates set up and, and stuff like that. But there isn't that same turn, like the turn clock for Mew is just accelerated. And again, I think we should start seeing a shift more and more towards um, just aggressiveness for Elisa Sparkle to Meloetta and just going very hard for the turn one, 210 or 240, 270, whatever with the with the uh, power tablets. I think we should start seeing that um, from everyone. I don't think peony is, is, is a thing of the past. Like we're not even <laughs> debating like what, uh, how many peony, like we're debating, you know, whether or not to like include bosses orders, honestly, like <laughs> we're just hitting for so yeah. much in the active. Um, but yeah, in terms of other decks that I've played in the past, in terms of like oppression level. So like ADP, we talked about that turn clock. Something like a Seismitoad deck. I've already kind of talked about that, right? Where, you know, okay, they might they might take away your items, but they're only doing 30 damage a turn or maybe 50 damage if they have a muscle band. So you're going to have, you know, potentially a couple of turns to try to get something going. Um, and there were decent counters back then to, to Seismitoad. Um, you know, I think about like Zerosic, being pretty problematic for that deck at times. Um, just again, the the kind of relative size of the Pokemon. You know, Size and Toad wasn't taking one shots on your dudes. So if you could just mount, you know, a few Pokemon um, up there, like a maybe a I don't know, 
you know, Landris or like a Mewtwo, you get a Mewtwo with the double colorless. That was a pretty good counter to a Seismitoad because you're going to one shot them or you're going to knock them out before they knock you out. Yeah. So, um, you know, there were, there were plays, you know, that the top tier decks could make just across the board. Um, Giratina EX was kind of tough, but again, Zerosic, it took two attachments. So you think about like the time clock, right? It's like two attachments and then they weren't one shotting your guys for the most part. So you had a couple of turns to try to figure something out. Um, no way to accelerate that. No way to attach twice to the same, you know, Giratina. So it took them two turns unless you enhanced hammered or Zerosic or something like that. Um, you know, decks like Zorark, you know, we've kind of talked about that, right? Like needing to evolve. Um, uh, not as much access to the deck because... You needed to get all your basics out and then evolve all those basics. Um, so still very good. You know, the, the Zora control decks and expanded, like super good. Like, don't get me wrong for those, <laughs> for those formats. But again, like the turn clock, you had a little more time to figure out what you could do. And with the Mew deck, you know, Mew can go first or second. It almost doesn't matter. Like if they go first, then they can, they can hunt your guys down on the bench. And then if they go second, they'll just knock out your active. So you, if if you go first against a Mew deck, you have to kind of hope that you're getting two of your Vs down, so that you can have a chance to evolve the one on the next turn. So, it's I, I hope I'm making my like case. Like I, I I'm hoping that this is making sense. It is. Um, but it's it's crazy how how good this deck is. I I'm really just so impressed with it. Um, and it and it doesn't allow for much uh for much creativity and in my opinion in my opinion and and that could all come out like duraludon you know is kind of there right um you know people are saying in the chat like grant manley was playing a stone journer deck and like okay there there might be some of that stuff out there and there's you know like ross's you know dark galarian moltres hoopa deck you know there there are things that theoretically can beat mew uh you know gengar you know maybe single strike but Still, like on the whole, like those are decks that are like designed specifically to beat Mew, um, and they kind of a, a lot of those really strong archetypes like kind of just fold to a lot of other things that anyone might play. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, and so it's pretty frustrating. One of the other decks that people can play um, is Jolteon. You know, that seems to be kind of the second best deck right now. And that really is the one deck. We've talked about this on the cast over the last couple of weeks. That's a one deck that can really utilize Path of the Peak. And that is somewhat problematic to the Mew deck. Um, but Mew, somewhat. I think, should... That, well, I, I think Mew should <laughs> yeah. play four stadiums anyway, right? So, like... Right. Yeah, know, that if, seems to be something people agree on. You know, so so it's kind of like a coin flip there also, right? if you know you just have to have the right stadium in hand at the right time right and uh and if you do that you're completely fine it's like nothing ever happened so <laughs> just just crazy stuff um from the deck yeah i'm 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 uh yeah i'm 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 pretty frustrated for those reasons so and i think that all makes sense something that's frustrating to me as well is just someone who enjoys not only the pokemon trading card game but like card games and the deck building process in general is Mew is, like, so pre-built and, like, streamlined from Fusion Strike cards, like the archetype. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could literally just, like, cut boss and play only Fusion Strike 
cards and probably have like a pretty passable deck um you know there's no like expression in the deck building or anything like that either like this package right. was like intentionally designed yeah shipped out and it's the best deck by a mile yeah i i don't want to sound too like too kind of end of the world doom and gloom um because things can change and like new new wrinkles can can come out um and you know this is just my my kind of experience with the deck uh you know primarily on the ladder um and then what i've seen from just tournament results and stuff but i i just from from playing the deck you know i i played for like and this is where my experience comes in right i've been playing for so long when you come across a deck like this that and i've i've done this a few times in in the past um I did this actually with my, the first time I won regionals, I like played with a deck and it was like so straightforward and so good and so consistent. I was like, this is boring. Why would I want to play this? <laughs> you know, but it was just, it proved itself to be the best deck Yeah. in that format. And so, okay. You know, and in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, Agra was like that too. Right. Or it's just like, oh, well, kind of just, kind of just wins, you know? Um, but yeah, the problem, the problem with the Mew deck is just the turn count. You know, you, you get maybe that first turn. And if you're going first, you don't get to play a supporter. So you have to hope that you have two of the V's uh, that you want to evolve into a VMAX. Um, you know, it, it just, it's so hard for decks to compete because it can pump out that 210 so easily on that first turn. So pretty crazy. That definitely tracks as being crazy. So... If there was one snap change you could make, one quick ban that you think, or a card that you would just remove from the from the pathos to to make Mew a little more in line with the power level other decks, what would that be? Would it be Meloetta? Yeah, it'd be Meloetta for me. Meloetta. Yeah, Meloetta is just is so strong. I I don't I don't know if that's really you know feasible, right? Because Pokemon wants to. You know, if, if there was if there was competitive play and people were buying the cards for competitive, like I don't know that they would ban their you know newest archetype. But um, you know, if I was in charge, if I was at the Pokemon company and trying to make the game more competitive, I I would have to ban something. It could also be the power tablets, like that also would be fine because then at the very least, if you're playing a V that has 220 health, then it's not getting one shot by the Meloetta on that first turn. So like that's another possibility to to kind of keep the keep keep the attackers kind of some semblance of that. Uh but then you're losing a lot of, you know, versatility. Like then the Mew deck, if you ban power tablet, I think the Mew deck would go from you know, S tier to unplayable almost cuz you kind of need that reach. Make um, Melo to do 60 times. How about that? 60 times. Yeah, that that could be good. <laughs> that could be good. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is, right? Because there's like, it's also one of the more, un- like it's one of the more unique archetypes that that we've ever seen. It's very likening to like the closest that I could think about would be the Ray deck, the Rayquaza, um, Mega Rayquaza deck, where you're just drawing with Shaman and just kind of going hard like that. Yeah, but there's still a lot of differences there um, because there was a really good counter back in the day, Sudowoodo, 
that could limit the opponent's bench. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't, I don't. And then the shamans were like once, you know, they kind of came down and then they were kind of down, right? <laughs> like you couldn't just do them again next turn. Like you couldn't just pick them up and, and play them again for you know six more cards on the next turn, right? So, yeah, it's it's crazy. Man. I'm just like the more I talk about it, like the more depressed I'm getting. Well, let's not depress you any further. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess there's maybe one maybe depressing thing. Um, TCG Live. <laughs> and then we start depressing you. <laughs> so, you know, we have V-Star. We be power markers now in TCG Live or in TCGO programmed in uh, signaling the incoming v-star pokemon you know jw we were briefly chatting about this implication can't say for sure one way or another but there's definitely a chance that you know tc live may not be coming out as early as we'd like it to you have any thoughts that you'd like to add to that kind of like discussion yeah there's no guarantee right that we won't get the uh, PTCG Live by the Brilliant Star release. There's no guarantee that we won't, but the fact that we do have it programmed into the system, like, and with how the whole process has gone for the release of PTCG Live, and kind of my mental state with the with the <laughs> <laughs> with how the game feels right now, I just can't help but. I can't help but think that we're we're not going to get PTCG live until much much later. So I'm still hopeful personally. I'm gonna I'm gonna carry the torch of hope for the two of us. I I think it's they got to have it programmed as a fail safe in a TCGO. We got the promos coming out in January. TCG live. I'm waiting for yes. you. Yes, you know, and and that's fair, right? Because you have these promos that are coming out like you said, in January, um, you know, there's presumably going to be some period where uh, the beta comes out and people can, you know, start to migrate, right? There's going to be this migration period. So you have to be kind of, um, you know, aware of that, right. Yeah. As, as, as a dual game system, you know, for that, for that migration period. So sure. Could be <laughs> right. Could be. I, I'm just saying with the way it's gone, with the way this whole process is gone, I'm not, I'm really not like, I don't want, you know, we've been, um, I think content creators on the whole have been like, you know, Pokemon, take your time. Like don't release a bad game, right? Like don't, don't release PTCG live before it's ready. Right. And we've all been, you know, really like on board with that. Um, and then, you know, and then they're like, okay, they delayed it. And and everyone's like, okay, don't, you know, don't release a bad game. Like take your time, take your time. It's not like I don't have faith in them, but it's just it feels too good to be true to like ever come out. Um, yeah, I I don't know, man. Maybe it's just my maybe it's just my mental talking right now. But well, if you're listening to this and you're worried about JW's mental, <laughs> you can reach out to him on social media <laughs> and give him a feel better JW. And you can do that most easily on Twitter. So you can find JW 
at real john walter on twitter and if you want to find myself for the podcast that's smiles with riles and tag team pokemon we record the podcast live every single week at twitch.tv slash munner or twitch.tv slash flex daddy righteous that's mine and jw's channels respectively and jw releases awesome content on youtube every single week at youtube flex daddy righteous appreciate it yeah i uh, i promise i'll be happier next week <laughs> i'm sure by then i'll have found i don't know some deck or somebody will have come up with some deck but uh the meme decks are just around the corner I'm, I'm hoping man i'm hoping dude maybe we can just collectively create like a like a mew free day <laughs> you know like like tuesdays you do, you know you signed a waiver you don't play mew on the last no muse days yeah uh yeah that'd be great okay all right i'll get that petition rolling <laughs> well watch out for our petition on petition.org we appreciate every single one of you so much. Make sure to rate and review on your podcasting platforms if you're listening from one of those. And we will catch you all next time. Peace.